that's where we're going to walk through today. And as I was thinking about this, you know, there are a lot of things that try to creep into our lives and destroy our finances. This is one of the number one reason or financial troubles why people end up divorced in their marriage. And so we know this is a key topic um, that causes financial stress in our life, like stress and worry and anxiety over money. And so this is a great thing that we need to talk about. How do we guard ourselves against those? How do we um, block different ideas that would try to come in our life and steal the financial freedom that God wants to give us? And so I want to start this morning by looking at some of the ideas that may try to derail us. And I was thinking about this, you know, just all of the, the marketing and the advertising that try to get us to feel a certain way and make us think, hey, we need more things. I don't know if you thought about this, but this morning I got up and I put on this pair of jeans here. And there are ideas, I guess, that go around with jeans that look something like this, that if you wear the right kind of jeans, maybe you guys have seen this commercial, okay, you will be um, an eye stopper. I don't know how you say this. People will get your attention. An elephant will walk down the street, right? And you will be successful in life if you just have the right pair of jeans. Now, I have a lot of different jeans. Maybe you do as well. I've never put on a pair of jeans and seen an elephant walking down the street. Just never happened to me. Okay, maybe it's because I don't have that style. And, and I don't know that I've ever put on a pair of jeans and thought, man, these jeans are going to make my entire life successful. Okay, this is, this is really the stopper. Or what about the shoes that you wear? And the marketing that goes into even just the style of shoes. And I have a lot of shoes for different activities, but never have I put on a pair of shoes and people have just been attracted to me and said, hey, we have the same kind of shoes. Um, so let's go skateboarding together and let's just hang out together. It's never happened to me based off of the shoes that I wear, but that's what they want you to think is you need these, right? You're missing out somehow on relationships because of the type of shoes that you wear, or you need a better car. And you need a car that will somehow take you through the snowy mountains. I don't know who's comfortable driving near the side of a cliff like that. And, and if you do this, you'll have this adventurous life. There will be moose that walk straight up to your car. And I guess you get to pet them or something. But you're missing this. You need this. And I guess they're not thinking we live in Texas. We never see snow like that. Okay. Anywhere that I go, but somehow they want to make me think you're lacking in your life. And your life would be so much better if you just had these things. And the dangerous obstacle in our life as it comes to finances is we believe this sometimes. Maybe not on a conscious level, maybe not thinking, okay, yeah, I've got to buy those shoes and then an elephant will walk down the street. But maybe we believe that lie that somehow we're lacking in our life. We let those mentalities and that thought process creep in that, hey, you know what? Everyone else, they have what you're lacking. And look at their life. They're so happy. They're so satisfied because the other students in school, they dress the right way and they have the right shoes or they have the right clothes. And look at their life. It looks perfect. Or your neighbor that's driving down the street that somehow they have what you're missing out on. And we can fall into this trap that, oh yeah, if I did have that, I would be happy. If I had those things in my, then my life would be satisfied. Then my life would be full of joy. Then my relationships would be better and, and things would just go better if I simply had more or that mindset that says, hey, what I make and what I have, it's just not enough. And I constantly live in this idea of I need more. I need more. I need more. It's not enough. It's not enough. And this is a trap as it comes to our finances. This is not what God's word challenges us with these mindsets that would tell us that somehow we're lacking, somehow we're less because of what we don't have or what we don't possess. 
And that's not how we want to live our life, church. Those are not the kind of individuals that we want to be. And so God's word challenges us. How do we life-proof the idea of finances and how we spend money, how we view money, how we view the things that we have? And so we're going to dig down and look at God's word this morning and look at how do we operate and what, God, what does God's word say as it comes to finances. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to start in Luke chapter 16. And we're going to actually be in a couple of places in the Bible, but I want to encourage you to open um, up God's Word and to start right here, Luke 16. And if you don't have a Bible, there's a blue Bible in the seat in front of you, and it's on page 510. And I want to encourage everyone in the room to open up God's Word, even if you have to take out your phone and, and Google that, Luke 16, and follow along with us as we see what God challenges us in a couple of different ways as it comes to finances as it comes to life-proofing our life and this mindset, what is a good mindset that we need to have as it comes to money and the finances that we have? Once you have that, go ahead and hold on to that for just a second, because in this part of Luke, Jesus has just told a story. We're not going to read through that whole story, but the header there in your Bible may say the shrewd manager or the wise manager of money. And so Jesus tells this story that has a biblical truth in it. And as he's ending this story of the wise person, the one that handles finances well and how his life is enriched and blessed because of that, Jesus ends with this powerful statement. This is what it says in Luke 16, 10. It says, the one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And the one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, Who will entrust you with true riches? And if you've not been faithful in what is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Another version says, if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, how, who will give you the property of your own to manage? If you've not taken care of what someone else has, what is it that Jesus is saying here? Well, there's a couple of ideas that he's getting across as it comes to our finances and as it comes to money that he wants us to realize. And one of those ideas is that our personal finances makes an impact in our spiritual life. Maybe you've never thought about that. Maybe you thought, no, Aaron, those two things are separate. Like the money that I have, it it doesn't really affect my relationship with God. But Jesus is saying that. He's saying, hey, this is a way that God's trusted you. He's given you money. He's given you wealth. Some of us, it may not feel like a lot of wealth, but we have something. And it's actually God saying, hey, I'm giving this to you. Can I trust you with what will eventually fade away? Can I trust you with what will eventually be destroyed and what will eventually rust? Because how we handle that will determine what we will do with true riches. And he's saying, if you can't be faithful with that, what you've been given, how is God going to trust you with real wealth, with things that are eternal, with things that will not diminish? And so we realize from what Jesus is saying that our relationship with God, that it is affected by how we view money and God's word as it relates to money and, and what God is saying there. The second thing that we realize in this passage is that there's a mindset that God calls us to have. And it's this, that you and I, that we're called to be stewards, not owners. And what's that mindset? Do you have a mindset of a steward or of an owner? Because depending on that, it can derail you in the area of your finances. What do I mean by that? A steward is someone who doesn't own the money that they have. They're just a manager. 
It's been given to them and there's trust there, right? There's trust from the person that actually owns it, that you're going to use it according to their wishes, according to what they've said. That's a steward is, hey, it's not mine, but I'm responsible for how it gets divvied out for what it gets spent on. And this is the mindset God tells us to have as opposed to an owner that says, no, all of this is mine. I control it. I determine what happens with that. And there's a danger that comes about when we see ourselves as owners. And I truly believe this church that there's not one of us in this room that is a self-made man or a self-made woman. Hey, I did this on my own. Everything that I've done, it's all because of me. No, everything that we have, we realize from scripture is it's God's and he's entrusted it to you. He's entrusted it to me. And he said, hey, I've blessed you with this, but there are ways that God challenges us to view money, and there are ways that God challenges us to operate in our money. You may not know it, but I promise you, you don't want to be the owner. It's better to be a steward. Let me tell you why. Sarah and I, we've been married for almost 20 years. For most of our life, we rented, okay? And so we rented apartments, we've rented different houses and different homes. And there was a benefit to that. Whenever we rented and something went wrong, the AC went out or something broke or a pipe burst, all I had to do is pick up the phone. And I called the landlord and I said, hey, I need you to come fix this. And you know how much I had to pay? Zero. He was responsible for it, okay? And so there was a certain joy that came about with that of, hey, whenever something broke, like I wasn't responsible, I didn't have to pay for that. But now for the past few years, we've been the owner of our house. And let me tell you, it is not as delightful when something breaks. Some of you guys know that. Maybe you've walked through similar experiences because there's not someone else that you call, right? And we've been blessed with great landlords in the past that have helped us out. But now there's a different responsibility. But I want to challenge you. When you're the owner, you're responsible for all of that. But when we recognize God, we're not the owner. We're simply stewards of what you've given us. Then it's saying, God, I'm trusting you with everything that I have. And even when bad situations arise, even when difficulty comes, God, I don't have to fix it all on my own, God. I don't have to take care of it. I don't have to find all the solutions, God. I trust that you as the owner, Lord, you're going to direct me. You're going to guide me, Lord. You're going to lead me in what I need to do. That's the benefit of realizing, God, you're in control of this. Church, I don't have to stay up late at night worrying. I don't have to fret about what's going to happen. Am I going to lose my job? I don't have to trust in the United States economy. I know that, God, you're in control of all of this. God, you've given me everything that I have, God, and so I trust for you to provide. You're the owner. I'm simply the steward or the manager of what you've given me. It's the mindset that we see, and there's that dangerous thing that happens in our finances when we think we have to control it all. And I promise you, stress will keep creep in and it will destroy your life. Worry will creep in and it'll wreck you inside of your marriage and your relationships when you think, no, God, I have to do all of this. I'm responsible for it all. And God reminds us in his word, no, I've called you to be a steward. Be a good steward. Handle what I've given you correctly. Go to my word. Look at wisdom around you and handle what I've given you right. See, but when we're the owner, we develop this negative mindset. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, when he says this, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other. He will be devoted to one and despise the other. What is it that Jesus is talking about? You cannot serve God and money. That's the next line there. You cannot serve God and money. 
I cannot say, God, I've given you my life. You're in control. But then I'm still trying to control my pocketbook. It doesn't work like that. Either I'm going to hate one, I'm going to despise one. God, this is so wrong. Why are you asking me to do this with my money? And I'm going to love the other. There's going to be a friction there in our life. And that's where some of us find ourselves because we want to follow Christ. We want that relationship with God, but we still want to control it all as it comes to our finances. And Jesus says that doesn't work. That's not how the kingdom of God operates. It's saying, God, you have control over every area of my life, Lord. And I realize you're the owner. I'm the steward, God. And so I don't serve money. God, I'm not a slave to that, Lord. But God, I am a follower of you. And that's my desire. And this is the mindset that God challenges us to have, church, that you are a steward. You're not an owner. I want you to think about it like this, okay? I want you to to go back... um, So imagine this is the time machine. We're going to travel back in time for many of us. Some of you may need to take it forward to when you got your first job. Now, wait a second, because some of you are going to have to travel a lot further than others, okay? Back to when you got your first job, right? And you got that first paycheck and you were so excited. And I don't know if you did this, but I saved up one or two paychecks and then I went and I opened a bank account. And I was so pumped in that moment. Went to the bank. I got these cool checks. They had Harley Davidson motorcycles, though I've never ridden a motorcycle. I thought it was awesome. And so I got that. I remember the first thing that I bought with that, and it wasn't even really about what I bought. I just wanted to write a check because I thought that was so cool. And, and so you, you've got money now. You've got it in the bank. You've been working, right? You've been, and, and you're smart, so you save up. And you save up a couple of thousand dollars. And then you go into the bank and you've picked out a car and you're saying, hey, I'm going to buy my first vehicle, right? And so you walk in, you talk to the bank teller or the personal banker there and you say, hey, I need a cashier check Um, for this person. I'm going to buy a vehicle or for this auto dealership, I'm going to put money down on my vehicle and, and I need that check. Imagine what would happen if in that moment if they looked at you and they said, well, I know you've been putting money in the bank, you've given us this money and everything. But we decided we needed a vacation. And so I just want to say thank you so much for that donation. But we've actually taken your money. We've split it up over the employees. And we're going to use it for a vacation. You would probably be really frustrated, wouldn't you? I don't know about you, but I would probably be yelling in that moment. I'm pretty calm. But if the bank took thousands of my dollars and used it for something else, hey, we went and we decided to eat lunch. And we just paid for everyone's lunch. And so I want to say thank you for that. I would still be extremely upset. And yet that's how many of us are treating God's money. Like somehow we can do with it whatever it is that we want to do with it. And that we're not accountable. In church, you are not the owner. You're simply a steward. And you and I, we don't have the right to tell God, hey, this is what you're going to do with what you've given me. No, we need to listen to the voice of God, listen to biblical wisdom, and trust God, this is what you've called us to do. And so we're going to steward that money. We're going to manage that money well according to what you've challenged us to do. How do we help this mindset develop in our life? Well, God's word gives us that. And it challenges us that the first of what we bring in, that we honor God by giving back to him a tithe, that we bring that first part of the offering of what we have from the income that we have back into the church. Now, let me pause here and let me say that because you may hear that and alarms may go off of like, hey, I knew the church just wanted my money. I know that's what the church always talks about. That's not what this is about. You do not give and we do not be generous because we felt guilty. 
You do not give money to the church and invest in the kingdom of God because it somehow buys your salvation or it means God loves you more. That's not the biblical principle that we have. What happens is as we give and as we're generous, it changes our heart. And it reminds us, God, everything that I have is from you. Not just the first part of what you've given me, everything that you've given me, God, it comes from you. And so I don't give because I feel guilty. I don't give because I'm shamed into it. That's not why I give. God, I give to remind myself, Lord, that everything that I have is yours, God. And so I honor you by investing in your kingdom and taking that first part. It reminds me, I'm a steward, not an owner. Everything I have, Lord, it is yours, God, and I want to follow your example and your word of what you challenge me to do with your money. This helps us, church. It protects us in the area of our finances when we realize this. It brings a peace in our life in that area of our finances when we trust God. God, you're in control of all of this. But not only is it an issue of ownership that can derail our finances, but it's also want. Have you ever found yourself here? in this wrestling with contentment in your life or want. I always need more. What I have is not enough. And God's word challenges us with this. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, it says this, godliness with contentment is great gain. You want to know how to get ahead in your life. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that will plunge people into ruin and destruction. What is it that Paul is writing here to the church that he's telling Timothy here? He's saying, hey, you need to be careful about this area of your life, that you're living as a person who is content and not constantly living in want as it comes to finances. Now, I want you to hear this. This is not saying, hey, you should not have things, that you should not have nice things, that you shouldn't take care of the things that you have. What he's saying is there's this dangerous mindset that no matter what I have, it's not enough. And just like those commercials that we watch and so much of the advertising around us that tries us to get us, get us to believe that, hey, what you have, it's not enough. And you need something more. You need something more to be happy. You need something more to be satisfied. And God's word reminds us, no, what we have is enough. We are blessed by God, church. What he's given you, it's enough for what you need right now. And we need that wisdom in our life to say, God, help me to steward well. Help me to manage what it is that you've given me at this point in my life. I don't always want to be living for the next thing. I don't always want to be living for the next race. God, I want to be content with what you've given me right now. In church, it's a struggle for all of us. And I got up this morning and I walked into my closet. And what's the first thought that comes into my head? Man, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to wear. I need something more. Why didn't I buy a new shirt? How many times have I worn this? How many times has the shirt seen me wear this? Like there's that mindset, if I'm not careful, that that's how I begin to live my life, that somehow everyone else has the perfect outfit and, and that I don't. But when I look in that closet, I have plenty of jeans, different colors, different styles. I have plenty of shirts. And there have been points in my life where there wasn't a lot of variety, when there wasn't a lot to choose from. But that's not where I'm at right now. I'm blessed by God. In church, it's a different perspective that Christ has called us to live with, that you and I, we're not lacking in our life. 
Even if you feel like, hey, I don't have a lot, you're not lacking in your life. God has blessed us. And that's what Paul is trying to get us to remember in 1 Timothy. We have food. We have clothing. Like, that's enough. What God has given us is enough, and we need to operate in this contentment. What happens is there's this dangerous mindset where we constantly think, hey, I need more. I need more. What I have is not enough. And it leads to this constant idea of want. God, I need more in my life. And so how do we practice this? Well, it's giving thanks. It's giving thanks for what you have. So you're driving down the road and that person drives by in that new, whatever kind of fancy car it is that you want. And what happens? Greed comes into that moment into that thought of like, man, I really need what they have. And you stop and you just give thanks. God, thank you that my vehicle's not broken down on the side of the road, like it's still running. And although it may not be the most expensive vehicle, it's getting me where I need to go. Thank you, God. God, I may not have the most expensive shoes and I may not be able to skateboard like on that commercial, but thank you for what I do have, that I have shoes to cover my feet. God, you've blessed me. And it's this attitude of thankfulness in our life that actually changes our perspective on finances. It will actually create a barrier in your life. Thankfulness will create a barrier where greed doesn't set in and where it destroys and ruins your view on finances. And it wrecks what God wants to do in your life with financial freedom. It's this desire in our heart. How do we know that? How do we keep that in balance? Well, there are basic financial principles that each of us should be living by. And that is creating a budget, knowing what are healthy percentages in our life. How much should we be spending on our house? What's wise in that area? What's wise in the area of transportation? What's wise in the area of food and clothing and personal care? There are basic practices, and we've talked about those before, and I don't have time to go down that list of categories, but at the end of service, there will be a budget in the back, and next to each of those categories, there's a percentage. And so it lets you know, hey, what's wise? And it doesn't matter if you make 15,000 a year, if you make 100,000 a year, those percentages are healthy percentages across the board. And it's knowing, God, what should I be spending in this area of my life? Because I want to be wise. I want to be content with what you have and not constantly wanting more or living this, with this idea that I'm somehow missing out. Because when we live in want instead of contentment, it plays into this next and final area that can destroy us in our finances. And that is this mindset of, are we willing to live in freedom or are we living with debt? Are you willing to live in freedom or are you living with debt? This verse, and we talked about this before, Proverbs 22, seven says this, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. The borrower is slave to the lender. You may be here this morning thinking, I don't think I'm a slave. But if you have so much debt in your life, that's what you've done. You've given up the freedom that Christ has called us to have in the area of our finances. And if you can't even determine, hey, can I, can I go out to eat? Like, what can I do? Can I, can I buy the clothes that I need? When you're struggling and when there's that financial stress because you're paying so much in interest, you are a slave. Other things are controlling your life. And God's word cautions us about this. Hey, don't get yourself in the place don't live in this mindset of I need more and more. And in our society, I just think, oh, I'll pay for that later. It never works. 
Church, if you can't afford it today, the likelihood that you'll be able to afford it a month from now or two months from now is very difficult. It hardly ever works out that way. And so God's word tells us, hey, you need to be careful in that area of your life that you don't become a slave because of the amount of debt that you have. There's wisdom in saving up for things and setting aside money and saving that and then purchasing that with cash. I want you to think about it like this. I was looking this week and I saw the average credit card interest rate. I was wondering, what is that? Some of you may have great credit and so maybe it's a little bit less or some of you may have bad credit and maybe it's a little bit more, but you average all of those together and the average, average annual interest rate is 16.47 which may not seem like a lot, or it may seem like a lot based off of your um, current credit rating and all of that stuff. But I want you to think what that means if you have a credit card. Once again, how would you like it if every time you made $1,000, someone came up and they said, I'm going to take $164 out of that. Thank you very much. And I'm going to take that. What about if every time you went to a restaurant and you ordered a delicious meal, maybe you had a steak and a potato and a salad, that the waiter came up and took almost a fifth of that, cut it off and threw it on the ground and said, you're going to pay for that. That would frustrate you, right? Like that would make you upset when you went to pump 20 gallons of gasoline and then you had to pump an extra two or almost three and a half gallons and just waste it on the ground. Not that went into your car, but just waste it on the ground. That should frustrate you. And that's what, how many of us are living because of the credit card debt that we have. This isn't to make you feel guilty. It's not to make you feel bad. It's to help you understand, hey, there's wisdom in the way that we spend our finances. And we should, as followers of Christ, not want that financial stress or that burden that constantly makes us feel down or that's controlling the way that we spend our money. So what do we do? We need wisdom to say, God, give us a plan. How can we do this, Lord? How can we allow that thing not to just continue and to continually crush us? And so once again, we want to give you resources. I talked about it a moment ago, but we want you to have a budget if you don't have a budget. At the end of service, back at the hospitality center, there are going to be three worksheets. One of them is going to be a budget. The next one's going to talk to you about how do you evaluate your current debt payment. And then the third one is how do you snowball that? How can you begin to pay that off in such a way where you don't have to constantly live under that debt weight or that pressure or that financial burden in your life? Why? Because we want to life-proof our life as it comes to finances. We want to guard those areas. We want to have that right perspective in our life as it comes to that. And so this is what we said as a church. We want to provide those resources and those tools. And so as part of that, in a few weeks, we're going to kick off Financial Peace University. And if you've never done that, I want to encourage you to do that and to partake in that class. Sarah and I, we, a few years ago, we went and we said, hey, we're going to do this together. We're going to look at this class. And it's just, once again, Dave Ramsey puts this on. It's amazing financial wisdom. And we want to resource you as a church. And so it's going to be um, right before this service starts at 11 o'clock. It'll um, be running while this service is going. And so childcare is provided. And we want to help you. If you're saying, this is an area I need to work on, we want to help you with that. And so part of what we're doing is the first um, seven people that sign up, it's 50% off of the course um, cost. It's $100 to take the course. And so the first seven, it'll be 50 this is not the church getting a profit, okay? So we're not making any money off of this. This is just what the resources cost, but we wanna resource you. And church, I wanna tell you, it's worth the investment. 
I know $100 for some of us may seem like a lot, but it's worth the investment. The last time that we did this class over the course of those eight weeks while Financial Peace University was going on, in that class, there was over $23,000 worth of debt paid off just in those eight weeks, $25,000 saved up just in those eight weeks, and 22 credit cards that were paid off. And so I know it's an investment, but if you're saying, this is a struggle in my life, like this is hard, you don't need to do this alone. You're not the only one, I promise you, in our church. You're not the only one wrestling with this idea of how, how do I get health in my finances? How do, how do I become better in the way that I handle money? There are others of us in this room that are saying, hey, we want to grow in this. And so we want to have conversations. We want to help each other grow. And this is simply a way to do that. Church, we take a Sunday morning and we take the whole service and we talk about this for a couple of reasons. This is one of the main ways the enemy wants to destroy you. Wants to break apart your marriage. He wants to cause stress and anxiety in your life. He doesn't want you to have freedom in your life. He wants you to cause, cause you to live a different way where you're not satisfied and you're constantly thinking, I need more to make myself happy. And yet God's word encourages us. That's not how we're supposed to live. In church, I believe this that the way that we view finances, the way that we handle that, it is a part of our spiritual relationship with God. It talks about how we trust God, how we view God as the owner and the one that takes care of everything in our life and how he controls everything. We can't try to give him part of our life and maintain control of our pocketbook. It's saying, God, you have everything, every part. God, you lead, you direct, you guide me. And God, I trust you with everything even in the area of my finances. This is a part of our spiritual relationship with God. And so we wanna encourage you. We wanna be a church that's following these biblical principles, that's using wisdom to live in the way that God has challenged us to live.